the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. Good morning. Seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock and we're underway on AM 1420, The Answer. It is a Tuesday, the 12th morning of the 10th month of the year of our Lord, 2021. Got a good program coming up for you today at 10 o'clock. As you know, we will be talking with Peter Kersenow. It is Tuesday. That makes it a Kersenow day. We always love talking to Peter uh, about the biggest issues of the day. No doubt he is a very, very big football fan is Peter Kersenow. No doubt uh, he is going to have a lot to say about the um, about the John Gruden story, which will be the subject, by the way, uh, also of my uh, monologue here coming up in just a few minutes. But we're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about COVID nineteen restrictions, mandates, Southwest Airlines, and much much more, as well as the Gruden controversy that is uh, kind of taking not just the sports world by storm this morning, but the pop culture world or the 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 culture world. Uh, quite frankly, it's a it's a it's a lead story everywhere. So we're very much looking forward to that conversation. And then also coming up in this hour at nine thirty five, we're going to be talking with a nurse who is like the pilots that are coming out now publicly and saying, I would lose my job before I would give up my medical freedom. Uh, nurses are doing the same thing. We're going to talk to Nurse Danny, who's got a very powerful story about her uh, situation where one of her fellow nurses did not want the vaccine, asked for a medical exemption, which was refused. The nurse caved to the pressure and now has a severe neurological vaccine injury that the left and the CDC and the NIH want to tell you don't happen. Those things don't happen. There are no adverse reactions to the COVID-19 vaccinations. Not at all. Remember, the only two side effects of COVID-19 vaccinations are, number one, safe, and number two, effective. That's it. 
Nurse Danny's got a different story to share, and that's going to be at 9.35. So uh, we'll talk to her coming up uh, at 9.35, Kersenau at 10.10. Right now, let's get our day started before we get into the monologue with our Pledge of Allegiance. Patriots, please stand and face your flag. I know people are putting flags up in their places of work or their homes just so they can stand and start their day with the Pledge of Allegiance with us. People are sending me pictures of it. I love that. Uh, so face that flag if you have one. If you don't, just stand and put your hand on your heart and join us. Leftists, uh, go right ahead. Cancel culture supporters, go right ahead and take your knee. We know you do not, do not support the freedom of this country anyway. We are trying to share that freedom, by the way, and instill American pride and a belief in American greatness and American exceptionalism in our children. So what do you say we let the children lead us this morning? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Nice job, everyone! You know, every, uh, every time... Every time I see children, uh, you know, school children being forced into the indoctrination of the left in their classrooms and whenever I see them hiding behind, well not hiding, they're being forced uh, behind masks and all of these other things. It just, it, it, it hurts my heart, it hurts my soul because we are robbing them of their souls um, which, which yearn to be free and yearn to experience the liberty that we have been granted in this great country. It, uh, it hurts. So I like to play that from time to time uh, just to... Uh, kind of uh, refresh the spirit, if you will, listening to children actually express that sort of pride. Okay, having said all of that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit this, and um, I'm just going to be blunt. If you support the firing or the forced resignation of a man like John Gruden because the New York Times received stolen emails and published them, private emails and publish them, then I'm going to hope that someday the New York Times receives your stolen correspondence from 10 years ago. That's that's the crux of the matter for me. If you don't know what I'm talking about, John Gruden is the head coach of the Los Angeles, or excuse me, Las Vegas Raiders. Actually, he was until last night when he issued his resignation, turned it into uh, Raiders ownership. Uh, the issue is emails that he wrote over a 10-year period uh, that included what is being described as some racist, misogynistic, and anti-gay language. And indeed, some of it is. Some of it is. Now, I'm not going to be specific, and I'm not going to read anything that is going to be graphic. I will tell you that he described in his anger toward uh, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell at one point, he referred to him in, a, again, a private email between himself and one other recipient. He referred to him as an anti-gay slur, the one that rhymes with maggot. So you can kind of figure that out. So he did use that. Is it polite? No. Is it rude? Yeah. Is it offensive? Yeah. Was it offensive to the person he wrote it to? No. Which is what makes this story important. 
He also apparently used some words that, that were considered to be racist or derogatory about Demora Smith, who is the representative of the Players Association or the director of the Players Association, the union, when he was mad at the union for essentially putting an NFL season at risk 10 years ago back in 2011. And he used um, a derogatory statement about his intelligence. He basically said he's dumb. He called him, instead of Demora Smith, he called him Dumb Morris Smith. Okay, it's kind of like what I do with Alexandria Damasio Cortez. Uh, but at any rate, and then he also mentioned something about the size of the man's lips, which of course can be considered a racist trope. Got it? He also used, according to the reports from the New York Times, some misogynistic language. Uh, and particularly commented on certain girls, certain cheerleaders, and their appearances. So that's the the beginning and the end of the story. He said some things that are bad, or not said, beg your pardon. He emailed, and this, by the way, the majority of which, in fact, maybe all of which, happened when he was working not in the National Football League, but when he was working for uh, ESPN as a broadcaster. Okay? Now, this is, this, is, this is the reality of the situation. Many of the emails he sent were to the then president of the Washington Redskins football team, now just called the Washington football team, his former partner in both uh, Los, uh, in uh, Oakland and in uh, Tampa Bay when they worked together for the Raiders and then the Buccaneers. Then Gruden goes to ESPN and Allen goes to the uh, Redskins, and they exchange some, again, back-and-forth personal emails in which they say some things that, like I say, are certainly regrettable and certainly offensive. So why am I suggesting that it is wrong for Gruden to be forced to retire over this? And the answer should be as, as, as simple as anything else. Because of the First Amendment and because of the Fourth Amendment, freedom to speak and also privacy rights privacy rights matter what john gruden wrote in those emails to a private individual he wrote specifically to that individual and that individual responded in kind and was not offended by this john gruden did not write this these uh, words for newspapers he did not broadcast them publicly he did not say them for other people to hear he said it for an audience of one or wrote it for an audience of one, who, of course, he has a great relationship with. And yes, quite frankly, he wrote in the language, I'll say it, of football. That's the reality of football. Football is a high-testosterone-driven sport filled with a lot of guys that, that talk about women and how hot they are and who talk about things in terms that are not necessarily uh, handcrafted by a publicist. It's kind of what Donald Trump once talked about when talking about his graphic use of, of uh, you know, uh, female anatomy uh, and language when he said it's locker room talk. There is such a thing as locker room talk. I've been in enough of them, both as a player and as a broadcaster, working in NFL locker rooms, and I can tell you this is the reality of how football is. Does that mean it's okay to text or uh, to uh, email racist things? No, it, it doesn't. I would certainly hope that nobody does that, but I am also a realist. And I know that everybody 
has something in their email chain or their text message chain from the last 10 to 20 years that if it was made public would be very embarrassing to them. Dare I say everybody. Now, you may be quite literally a choir boy or girl who literally has never typed an offensive word or passed along an offensive meme, forwarded an offensive joke. And and what that joke is may vary from person to person. How many people listening right now have ever told a Polak joke? My hand is in the air, and i got a ton of Polaks in my family. How many people have ever told an Italian joke? How many people have ever told a black joke? How many have ever told a wasp joke? I remember as a kid reading a book. It was literally a little joke book. As about a 10-year-old, it was on the uh, bookshelf of my family when I was visiting them in Ford City, Pennsylvania. There was a book in there, and the first half of the, if, if you uh, look at the book on the front side, it said like 101 uh, black jokes. And on the flip side, then when you turn the book over, you literally, literally had to turn it upside down. So it was like a dual cover book. The other side said uh, 101 offensive wasp jokes. Wasps standing for white Anglo-Saxon Protestants. And I read them all. And I laughed at many on both sides. How many people, if your personal email and text correspondences over the course of the last 10 or 20 years were made public, would be really, really embarrassed. But you aren't worried about that, because they're, they're not made public. They're simply sent to one individual that you probably, based on your own relationship with that individual, you probably know that they would accept it with the you know intention uh, known, and that that person would not be offended by it that that person might chuckle at or that person might agree with it, that person might write, write the same thing right back. Most of us don't send offensive things to people that we think will be offended by it. I would never have said uh, an offensive, profane joke to my mother because I would feel really, really embarrassed if she heard it. Not to mention she'd probably whop me a good one. But I might send it to my buddy, I might have sent it to a coworker that that has the same sense of humor. My point is, and I'm not going to go biblical, but but let he who is without sin cast this first pink slip at John Gruden. He did not publicize these things. These emails were stolen. These emails were meant for private individuals. Now, some people are saying you can't claim privacy for using a work email. Well, in the terms that I'm talking about, I'm not talking about private server. You're right. If you're using your, your company's, your ESPN corporate email account, uh, and sending it to Bruce Allen's Washington Redskins email account, technically they're not private in that regard because using somebody else's servers, but when I say private, I mean these are not meant for public consumption. It's private between one one person and another person. That's like saying if you're using a telephone, you can't claim privacy because it's a, it, the, the uh, uh, FCC regulates telephone 
uh, telephone service, so it's a government public service. Well, your pri- your private comments are still your private comments to other people, and so I'm 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 having a hard time with what happened last night. Not because I know John Gruden, and I do. I worked for the Raiders Broadcast Network back in 2000 and 2001 when he was the head coach there. So I know John Gruden. I mean, a bit. I interviewed him many, many times. This is not about defending somebody that I know. This is about defending somebody because if we don't defend this somebody, who will be there to defend us? Who will be there to stop cancel culture when cancel culture comes for us? You may do or say things 10 years ago or may have do or done may have done said things 10 years ago that you wouldn't do today maybe even 3 years ago that you wouldn't do today and because somebody starts snooping through an email file gets something juicy and sends it to the New York Times suddenly your life is ruined your life is over your life is upside down your job is gone that's what happened to John Gruden and that's what I have a problem with there's an old saying that I probably shouldn't even try to use here because I'm going to butcher it because I don't have it memorized. But it's something about I refused to stand up. Again, I'm really butchering this for, for others. And by the time they came for me, there was no one left to stand up for me. You probably know that phrase much better than I do. It's an axiom, and I, and I can't recall exactly how to say it. But you understand my point? If we don't stand up for those who are losing their freedom of expression and their freedom and their right to privacy, then when they come for us and something that we said or did that somebody didn't like, whether it's recently or whether it's a decade or two ago, when they come for us and try to cancel us, nobody will be there to defend us. I'm not defending his language. I'm not defending racism. I'm not defending homophobia. I'm not defending misogyny. Excuse me. I'm not defending any of those things. But John Gruden didn't publicize any of those things. John Gruden was having private moments with a friend that they probably laughed about and chuckled over because they are indeed supposed to be private. Do you want to surrender your privacy? If you support the firing of John Gruden or the forced recognition because the New York Times broadcasts private correspondence, then I hope the New York York Times someday comes for your private correspondence. And we'll see how you feel about it then. 923, right back. free WHK mobile app and listen to your favorite WHK programs or podcasts on the go. It's free in your app store. You know what I love? I love educated audiences. And I love audiences that are engaged, that are participating. Uh, and that's, 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 that's spectacular. I, I just literally seconds ago talked about that phrase, and I couldn't remember exactly how it went about, uh, you know, there was nobody left then when they came for me. And within seconds, I get an email, a text message rather, not an email, a text message from uh, my friend Charlie. And it was, uh, it's a poem, is what it is. I thought it was just a saying, an axiom. It's a poem. First They Came For Me by Pastor Martin Nimolay, perhaps, if I'm saying it right. And this is what I was intending to say. 
First, they came for the communists, and I did not speak out because I was not a communist. And then they came for the socialists, and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak out for me. And that's kind of the point that I'm making here. Now, quite frankly, I wouldn't care if they came for the communists, and I wouldn't care if they came for the socialists. <laughs> I'll stop there, because those are the only ones I don't care about. Uh, but in all seriousness, the point is, if you're not going to defend the right to privacy for an individual like Gruden, even though he said some things that are not pleasing, and that quite frankly are offensive, he didn't say them to people who would be offended by them. If you tell a joke to a friend of yours that you know won't be offended by that joke, and then somebody later on tells the New York Times, you know, I once heard this guy telling a joke to another guy, or heard about it anyway, telling it to another guy, and it was really misogynistic. It was really, really offensive. And the New York Times ran a story on it. Would you be okay with that? Would you retire or resign from your job because of something that you said that you didn't intend for public ears or eyes? I would hope not. And so if we're not going to stand up for somebody's right to speak freely, even in you know terms that are not necessarily pleasing to the ear or, in the case of emails, pleasing to the eye, um, if you're not going to defend their rights to do that and if you're not going to re- defend their rights to be private in their correspondence, then there's going to come a time where you have said or done something, you know, with the old adage about skeletons in a closet, where somebody's going to peek inside your closet, and when they share it with the New York Times, then what? Then I think you will change your tune about what you support and who you support. Defense of John Gruden in this case is based on rights. And what is right? Not on defending misogynistic, homophobic, or racist words. And I want that to be very, very clear. It is wrong. It is wrong to do this to anybody, particularly when we're talking about old things over a period of 10 years. Literally, we are talking about just mining through people's past in order to destroy their present and future. And that is something I think everybody, no matter what your political stripes are, should be opposed to. All right, it's 930. We're going to talk about shots, the forced kind. Airline pilots are stepping up and standing up and saying, no, not me. I'm not going to take this shot. I've made the decision. It's my right to medical freedom. My wife and I, we looked at the research. We spoke with our medical professionals, and we don't believe it's right for us. And so we are going to stand for our medical freedom. We believe we have a choice. You should have a choice. My health and and my medical choice is is, um, more important to me Mm -hmm. than my career at this point that's a southwest airlines pilot named sean walker next we're going to talk with a nurse who has seen the very same thing mandates being forced upon people in the healthcare industry people refusing and losing their jobs and others who didn't want to lose their jobs who succumbed to the pressure who are facing even worse consequences we're going to talk to nurse danny about that next on am 1420 the answer
mainstream media side, and then there's the truth. You are experiencing the truth. The Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Rolling on now at 936. Don't forget, Peter Kersenow comes your way uh, at the top of the hour at about 10.05, Very much looking forward to that conversation. Before I bring in our guest, I want to hit this once again. I think it's important to listen to these two very short clips from a Southwest airline pilot. Now, you know that about 2,000 flights were canceled over the weekend. Um, Southwest said because of the weather in South Florida and because of a lack of air traffic controllers. And apparently, apparently that weather only impacted Southwest flights because Delta and uh, United and others continued to fly unabated. But somehow, some way, it affected only Southwest. The reality is Southwest uh, employees are walking off the job. They're using up all of the sick time that they have available because they know that if they don't have their vaccine, as now mandated by their company by a certain date, they are fired and they lose all of that sick and personal time. Here's Southwest pilot Sean, or uh, yeah, Sean Walker. My wife and I, we looked at the research, we spoke with our medical professionals, and we don't believe it's right for us. And so we are going to stand for our medical freedom. We believe we have a choice. My health and, and my medical choice is, is um, more important to me mm-hmm. than my career at this point. Pretty remarkable statement by this airline pilot, and uh, it mirrors the choices that have, have been uh, had to have been made by many in the actual healthcare industry themselves. And that includes Nurse Danny, who joins us now on AM 1420, The Answer. Nurse Danny is a certified pediatric registered nurse, a mom of two, 16 years as a nurse, 20 years in the medical field. She has quit her job, just like Sean did, from the or is, uh, is willing to do, uh, because of the vaccine mandates, and she's got a story to tell. Uh, Danny, th- Nurse Danny, thank you so much for the time this morning. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Help me clarify this. Have you already quit your position, or is it something you're willing to do rather than be, be forced to take uh, this vaccine? It is something that I did about 40 days ago. Okay, so it's been a while. Now, uh, help me out here. I, I, I wasn't aware that the mandates had been in place that long. Uh, can you tell me why it was 40 days ago, or am I, is my timing just off? Um, well, they, my hospital or my previous employer, um, mm-hmm. they were really gung-ho about these mandates, and, and they came out with the mandate um, before uh, President Joe Biden actually made his statement. Okay. So... Uh- are, are you are you in New York, Nurse Danny? No, I'm in Orlando, Florida. You're in Florida. Okay, I apologize I, because I was trying to think of when the mandates first started, and I know that um, uh, Bill De Blasio certainly put his in play place before Joe Biden made his statement. So I was assuming perhaps you were in New York. Now, the fact that you're in Florida makes this even more interesting. Before we get into the nuts and bolts of your story, you know, uh, obviously everybody around the country that believes in freedom and liberty has been applauding Ron DeSantis for uh, not enforcing mandates and, in fact, signing orders that say businesses. Can't cannot enforce mandates over Floridians. So how did your hospital get around that? Right. Yeah, that's that's a great question. Um, what I'm understanding, and I'm no lawyer or politician, I'm just a nurse who mm-hmm. really loves her job, um, but what I understand is that because my hospital is privately owned, that they have more leeway mm-hmm. uh, to do things like this rather than the hospitals that are um, 
more government-owned or operated kind of thing. Right, got it. Okay, so Nurse Danny, let's talk about what happened with you then. Um, what choices were you given? Were you given an opportunity before you uh, resigned your position to make an exemption claim on either religious or health, uh, health, uh, uh, ba- uh, religious or health basis? Um, yes. Yeah. So we were given exactly three weeks to decide to take the job, which um, obviously is, you know, you know that you have to take one shot at one period of time, wait two weeks and take the other shot. So Mm -hmm. three weeks really didn't give people a whole lot of time to process this life-changing decision. Um, And then there was a exemption process, but truly it's laughable. It was discriminatory. We we had asked to um, get details on the algorithm that they use to come up with their decisions or the de- like a decision tree, uh, and we had no answer to justify the level of um, uh, exemptions that were denied. There were so many exemptions that were denied, and they were, it was already told to us point blank, yeah, we're going to give you an option for exemptions for medical and religious, and good luck with that because most will be denied. So they had a plan in place, and then they executed that. So the people who put the mandate in place were the ones who were going to decide whether or not you were exempt from the mandate. In other words, no, because they want everybody to be vaccinated. Tell me, in your hospital, how many other people like you were there applying for exemptions, uh, and did anybody get them, and how many people have done what you've done and, and decided to walk off the job and, and uh, you know, in advance of the order? Uh, I think that, from what I know, I'm pretty unique in the fact that I left before the exemption process was complete. Um, I have a group of about 120 of us that have been supporting each other and encouraging each other through this, and uh, most of them stayed through the the whole thing, the whole exemption process, and most of them were denied. Um, of that group, uh, there was a significant amount that decided that they couldn't lose their jobs and their livelihoods, as most of them were uh, the main breadwinner for their families. So they they go they went ahead and got the shot against their will. Out of those people, there were two that have been severely vaccine injured. Tell me what you mean by vaccine injured. Both of them had medical um, issues prior to being injected that made them poor candidates for for even having the injection. So they they, they would be the, among those they would be among those who wanted a medical exemption because it's not safe correct. necessarily for them to get this, and it was denied. Correct, and and the process in which the medical exemptions were were handled. We were supposed to give our, like, we were supposed to basically open up our entire medical record for scrutiny um, to aboard a, a team of people that we don't even know who they are. And then they get to decide the future of our health and well being at that point. And for these two particular nurses, they were denied their medical exemption after divulging all of their personal and protected health information. And then after the first shot, they both came down with myocarditis. 
Wow. So Nurse Danny, we're talking with Nurse Danny. She, again, has identified herself as a now uh, former pediatric nurse in an Orlando, Florida hospital. Uh, she is... Um, out because she refused to take the jab. She's describing what happened to some of her co-workers who did not want to take the vaccine, who did under pressure and who suffered uh, very serious adverse effects. And the thing I want to ask you, Nurse Danny, is how can there be any adverse effects? Because the government, the, the CDC, the NIH, and the Biden administration are all telling us that there are no adverse effects, that the only two things that, that can possibly happen with the uh, COVID-19 vaccinations are that they are safe and that they're effective, and that's it. No side effects possible. So how can it be that some of your nurse friends uh, and other uh, healthcare professionals have suffered these terrible um, adverse effects? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, and, and honestly, I don't get my uh, medical advice from politicians, and, and I don't suggest that anybody else does either. Well, that's the part that makes this so important and makes your story one worth telling. You're a medical professional. You work with other medical professionals, doctors and nurses together, and I'm sure you consult with this uh, with one another all the time over this. Wouldn't, uh, of all people in all professions... Uh, to be given the benefit of the doubt as to whether or not they want to take something that may impact their health, one would think that medical professionals like you would get that benefit of the doubt, right? Right, exactly. One would think, but that's not what happened at all. I read, Nurse Danny, um, the transcript of an interview you did with uh, One American News, and mm -hmm. you uh, you described the, the treatment from the hospital as being psychological and emotional warfare as they try to scare and threaten you guys into taking the vaccine. And you even compared uh, what you guys faced to Nazi Germany. Can you tell me what you meant by that? Yeah, um, so it, it was really surreal. And really what was going on was there was propaganda and a campaign of fear to coerce us that came from the top down. And they utilized our emails to do that. So there were daily emails, sometimes even more than one a day, that uh, really promoted fear and anxiety. Um, and ultimately, it started with fear of the virus itself. Mm -hmm. And then as things progressed and there was a shot available, then it became a division of, of vaccinated versus unvaccinated, and one of the ways that they did that, created that division, those two separate classes of people, is with the badge tags. And if anybody knows their World War II history, knows that, you know, nothing good comes from labeling other human beings. And that's exactly what they did in my hospital. They had a very um, clear visual sign for those that are vaccinated that said COVID-19 vaccinated, that at the top of the badge tag, and they were encouraged to wear it. Well, they realized, the hospital realized that most people were still not complying. Um, even though they got the shot, they weren't necessarily wearing the badge tag. So then they had employee health, a nurse from employee health, come up to our nurses station during high peak patient care hours to go ahead and hand out badge tags like she was Oprah Winfrey. 
you know, you get that tag for you. <laughs> you get a bad tag for you. <laughs> right, right, right. Right. Um, so, so and, she was demanding that vaccinated nurses and 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 healthcare personnel wear the the badge that says "I've been vaccinated," thereby um, making everybody who does not have one of those badges look like they were some sort of disease carrying you know threat uh, to patients. Yes, yes, and and I will say that the email verbiage got more and more intense around that to the point where uh, they were saying that you must wear the badge tag so that patients and coworkers know that it's safe to be around you, that it's not always possible to socially distance inside of the workplace. And so please wear your badge tag to show people that you are a safe and responsible person to be around. And so I took it upon myself every time I read that to look to my left and look to my right. And if I was sitting next to somebody with a badge tag on, with all the sincerity in my heart, I would look at them and ask them, does my lack of a badge tag cause any fear or anxiety in you? Are are you feeling that I am an unsafe person because I'm not wearing one? And I will share with you that the people that I directly worked with shared with me consistently that, no, it is your choice to get the shot or not get the shot. It was my choice to get the shot, and I I don't feel any differently about you. But that doesn't change what the hospital was doing with right. their consistent propaganda pushing that I was an unsafe person to be around. I can't even imagine what it would be like to work under those conditions. Uh, the psychological impact would have on you feeling like a, a second-class citizen, feeling like you were being exposed as being somebody who is unsafe and not committed to health, which is what your entire career is based upon. Um, that had to be just traumatic for all of you, and I can understand why you would walk away from that. The, the last thing I want to ask about, Nurse Danny, is uh, the other element that so many people in this country and including quite frankly the federal government which is guiding the response to the to the coronavirus pandemic is natural immunity they don't talk about it they don't accept it as being uh you know as being as effective as the vaccines when science has shown uh that it is far 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 more effective to have natural antibodies than it is to get the synthetic uh, produced vaccine so among your healthcare staff at your former hospital were there any workers who had recovered from COVID and had natural immunity and thus had absolutely no need for the vaccine. Yes, many of us, and I was one of them. You were one of them, so you have the antibodies. Yes. And they didn't accept that as a medical exemption, exemption excuse as to why you wouldn't need, uh, you know, one of the one of the RNA vaccines that they that they tried to pump into you. Correct. No, they were they were so. Um adamant about 100% compliance that we had to fight for the rights of pregnant women not to get it. I personally have a friend who went through years of infertility, finally got pregnant, and then she, she was about four months pregnant when this mandate came out, and we had to fight for that to, to be honored. And so right now it is, but after she gets back from maternity leave, if they don't care if you're breastfeeding or not, they expect that she gets 
she gets that um, vaccination before getting back to work. Wow. You just said the word, the magic word. They are, they are so all about, and I don't mean just they, meaning your hospital, but so many other uh, employers and institutions, about 100% compliance so that they can virtue signal. Look how smart we all are. Look how safe we all are. We're 100% compliant. Everybody here has been vaccinated. We're doing our part. It is about compliance. I, I've said this many times on this program, not that you would know it, but it is not about the science because the science would say, People like you who recover from COVID are far more protected from reinfection than anybody who gets that vaccine could ever be. It's not about science. It's all about compliance. That's what they wanted yeah. you to do, and that's what you courageously refuse to do. And I, uh, I'm so happy yeah. to hear you telling your story. I'm glad you shared it with us. I hope you continue to do so. And as many of your colleagues as well who are uh, in the same situation as you, please know that there are there are millions of us out there. We're, we're, we're supposed to not say anything for fear of being canceled, but there are millions of us out there who still recognize people like you as heroes. Remember, you guys were heroes last year. Now you're now you're par- now you're pariahs this year, right? That's what. Yeah, that's that's what they say. Yeah, I. I just, I just want to add that, you know, people need to decide which part of history they want to be on. You know, evil rises and good prevails, and history shows over and over again that, that you know, we need to be educated. We need to stay educated, and that good will prevail. We need to find allies that are like-minded and collaborate to find solutions. You know, I started out with just a couple of coworkers and I, and now we're up to 120 people who are taking legal action against my my previous employer. So, people have a choice. Like, and if everyone, I hope I hope they do that. I hope more and more and more people in your situation lawyer up and do what you can to to make this right and force your employers to make this right. You have rights in this country, no matter how many times. They try to strip them away. Uh, Nurse Danny, I'm out of time. I want to thank you again for sharing your message here, and I hope you share it uh, wide and far. And keep up the good fight. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. 9.54. I just heard her breaking up a little bit there. I, uh, I can't imagine how emotional this is for her and others. We'll be right back. My doctor told me my blood pressure is borderline. I figured I could worry about it or do something about it. So I took control with Garlic Healthy Blood Pressure Formula. It works safely and naturally to help maintain healthy blood pressure with a custom blend of garlic, vitamins, and minerals. And it's odor-free. I'm taking charge with Garlic Healthy Blood Pressure Formula. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The term natural reference is only the garlic in the product. Use as directed. My doctor told me my blood pressure is borderline. I figured I could worry about it or do something about it. So I took control with Garlic Healthy Blood Pressure Formula. It works safely and naturally to help maintain healthy blood pressure with a custom blend of garlic, vitamins, and minerals. And it's odor-free. I'm taking charge with Garlic Healthy Blood Pressure Formula. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The term natural reference is only the... Okay, 958, let's get a couple of calls before the top of the hour. Sean is calling us from Rootstown. Hey, Sean, you're on the air. Go right ahead. Hey, Bob, how's it going? 
Good, sir. What's on your mind? Um, I just found out yesterday from my employer that we're being mandated to take the vaccine by December 8th. And um, I work for a pharmacy benefit manager, and I work completely remote from home. Um, I've had the virus, um, very mild symptoms. Uh, I believe I have antibodies. I've been around people that's had the virus since then, and I didn't get sick. Um, and I'm being mandated to take a, a shot that I wasn't going to take, and I from, and I work from home. Two things. Can you use your natural immunity as a basis of a medical exemption? Uh, I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, get 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 an say. antibodies test. I, and I, I'm not a lawyer here. I'm just telling you, you know, if, especially talking to a lot of people like this who have been in this situation. Get an antibodies test like I did. There's a place called LabCorp. Just look for it. L A B C O R P. Uh, they're not a client or anything. I'm just telling you where I went. Uh, you can get a LabCorp test done, an antibodies test done, so that you can show your natural immunity, which is better than, according to all kinds of science and studies, better than vaccinated immunity. First of all, and number two. You're right. You're, this is the thing that gets me. Truck drivers, over-the-road truck drivers who work all day long by themselves in a cab. People like you who work remotely from your own home. You're not around other people, and they're still going to make you get a vaccine that you don't need. Um, again, I would I would advise you, and I know not everybody can do this, but to lawyer up and fight for your job and fight for your freedom because that's insanity, isn't it? I agree 100%. I will take your advice and do that antibody stuff. Yeah, I'll tell you what, my friend. Listen, I I had COVID last year, uh, November. It's been about 12 months now. And um, uh, I waited until eight, nine months went by because I wanted to see what the long-lasting immunity was like. And I took the uh, antibodies test uh, about nine months after I was infected. And the antibodies, just so you know, the way they'll they'll show you the measurement. If you are at .07 or below, you do not have active antibodies there to fight that virus. If you are .08, or higher, you do have active antibodies there to fight that virus if it was to be, uh, you know, you were to be exposed to it again. My antibody count was 1,442. That, that's, wow. that's a little bit higher than .08. And I have been around countless numbers of people who had COVID at the time, since that time, and I haven't had a sniffle. Trust me when I tell you, get that antibodies count. It is proof and evidence that you are immune and far more protected than you would be if you uh, bowed to the company's wishes here or demands and gotten that vaccine. All right, I would do that. Thank you, Bob. Sean, I wish you luck, my friend. Keep me posted. Let me know how that goes. Call me back with your antibody score, and thanks for the call, and then let me know how things stand with your employer. I really do care about this stuff. 1001, Kirsten out next, AM 1420, The Answer. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.